Let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we, as we approach you tonight, we thank you, Lord, that we approach you because of the righteousness of another. Yet that righteousness was given to us as a gift. And Father, we thank you so much. I can't imagine that man would ever come up with the idea of substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. uh, but you did, Lord. It speaks to our lives, Father, that we are not our own. And as, as Christ gave himself a ransom for many, Lord, we simply receive. But the work of that reception brings your spirit into our lives. And it is the spirit. According to Christ, those that worship you, he said at one day, told the lady at the well that the day would come when men would worship you in spirit and in truth. So, Lord, we thank you for your spirit. And we thank you, Father, for your truth. And we recognize that uh, both the working of the Spirit, which he chooses to use the word of God, um, but that the truth, Lord God, is made alive to us uh, who know Jesus Christ. Lord, um, our lives when we're young seem to be long, but we see soon that they are very short, but eternal life is forever. And we thank you that we will enjoy you. Even as we enjoy you tonight, for all eternity, and all your work will be done, and yet eternity will be spread out at our feet, whereas we can forever give you praise without end for who you are and what you have done on our behalf. So we thank you, Lord. Pray that 
you would make us to understand that we have a high priest mm -hmm. yeah. of which tonight's passage discusses. Mm -hmm. So may we gain all that we can we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was going to ask you folks, we don't have too many, too many here. Uh, and I probably already gave away the answer. Uh, but uh, here we have Christ speaking in John chapter 17. Uh, God has, and we don't know in what manner he did this. We don't know how we did this because it seems uh, this was a prayer between the Father and the Son. Uh, but at this point, Christ is is exercising a prerogative that uh, originally he did not have. Uh, I thank you, I thank you, Lord. He, he does have it now. Mm -hmm. And that we are on his mind. So in, in what capacity was Christ uh, acting in John chapter 17? Come on, I know somebody knows the answer. As our intercessor? Uh, he is our intercessor, but he is acting for us, particularly if we consider Hebrews uh, in a, uh, go ahead, Mark. High priest. That's right. This is Christ's high priestly prayer for us. Not only uh, those of us who are alive tonight, are those who have been alive in Christ and are yet alive. But he is our high priest. One, one more question. What, what are a high priest's duties uh, to God? As far as man is concerned. Well, in the Old Testament, didn't he, uh, didn't he offer sacrifices for people? He did, he did, uh, and that would be an absolutely okay answer. But more broadly, more broadly than that, what did a high priest do? To go plead for our on our behalf. He would. Uh, that's I guess that's close enough. He he. What's a go-between? Uh, we could not approach God 
even as we weren't we taught so clearly in the Old Testament law that the men of Israel uh, could not approach God on their own. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the high priest only approached God, uh, I should say, you know, close up on one day a year. Right. Only he could enter the Holy Holies. Well, he could only enter the Holy and Holy of Holies one time right. a year. In other words, he couldn't he couldn't go in anytime he wanted. And more than that, uh, he had to make sure that he was absolutely uh, sanctified before the Lord. That's why he made an offering for himself before he went in uh, to stand before God. So uh, yet today, that is a, the Old Testament is a type of what is uh, common now in, although it has it has uh, a divine origin. It is, it is not something that's withheld. It is not something that's made difficult. Uh, Hebrews says, therefore, uh, having a great high priest, uh, we come before him does anybody remember the word that Hebrews used? How we come before the Lord? Boldly. Boldly. We come before the Lord boldly. And that, you know, if we would think upon, uh, you know, just ourselves, we, if we would think, of ourselves as sim simply mere men uh, without having been uh, made new creations, uh, we wouldn't be able to boldly come before God. No. But the author of Hebrews it means exactly that. We don't have to give any thought to be acceptable in this sight. Although, uh, does the scripture teach us that before we come before God in, in our capacity, for example, to pray, that we should first consider ourselves do we will we come before god with unconfessed sin will we come be, before god uh, with our robes uh, spotted and blackened and the answer is 
No, we won't. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, which talks about the uh, Holy Communion, uh, tells us that because now this is in the church. This is this is after Christ uh, took its place in heaven. That for the church, uh, those who came to communion uh, ought to first consider themselves examining, and that is the word that is used, examining themselves. And making sure that there is nothing they know about that stands between them and God. And just a little bit more discussion. Why do you suppose that is true? Question. What communion holy? What? Public communion. Yeah. Well, it's not just the communion. But uh, Alice asked me to ask the question again. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and I I would say, why is it that we want to be absolutely uh having confessed our sins that we know about before the Lord, before we should come before him in holy communion. The scripture, first off, is clear that you should. Yes. Okay. So we want to make sure we're obedient, but there's probably a good reason beyond that. Because sin... Any sin separates us from. Okay. Alice, yeah, brought, Alice yeah. brought up a good point. Yeah. It is yet, yes, it is true that sin separates between us and God. What can't be in the presence of sin? I, I think, you I, I think that. I think because of when you're speaking, especially to the communion, the 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 act of the the communion, because of this this the symbolicness of it, if you don't understand its its holiness, and you treat it. And I'm just going to speak frankly. If you treat it as if it's just something you do, that's right. Hazardly, and and just it's an it's insulting. It's dishonorable. It should be something that you come to. And I know that I take it very seriously when yes. I come yes. to take communion. That I've searched my heart. Because 
it would be it is it is it is it's disgraceful and dishonorable that yes yeah. it's it will do damage <laughs> yes <laughs> it's well the damage you remember in first corinthians 11 that that paul said because some of you have approached god in such a way during communion some of you are sick and some of you sleep and yeah. what he meant was that some of them have died yeah uh, you know i wonder if if we considered that uh, the lord will be so wrathful against a disrespect of his of his only son in the most uh, holy thing he ever did for us the the most wonderful thing gift that he ever gave us for for us to look at it as a common thing which I'm afraid, you see, when you do something over and over again, and it may be one reason we don't do it every week, it should be, uh, this is only in a, Jesus said, as often as you do this, uh, do it remember to me. But he didn't say how often, but as often as you do, we should know the either the Lord is in it or it is an absolute waste of time or that there, there would be a number of participants who would, uh, and what Paul said in that, he said they drank damnation unto themselves. Now the word damnation there, I believe is, probably better translated condemnation but yet uh, it's a strong word now so if we approach uh, Christ or the father actually with that kind of attitude and heart uh, then our thanksgiving and our time of remembrance uh, will be acceptable. But if it's not acceptable, then what will be the end of the matter? So, We should always, not just a communion, because you understand that if we come before the Lord alone and confess our sins, this is a holy transaction between God and us. And the scripture tells me, and, uh, 
that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is a lot of similarity uh, between Holy Communion and simply confessing our faults or our sins before the Lord and asking uh, with boldness uh, forgiveness from that. So uh, I think that's a good thing to go over. Uh, I, I, I want all of us to have a reverential fear of the Lord. I, I need to know when I come for any transaction with him, to worship, uh, to praise him, to ask something, uh, to minister the word, that my reverence for him ought to be of the highest caliber. And I think only, that would only be reasonable that God would expect that from us. Um, you know, it's the same one that said, uh, that we lay our lives down. And then he says, for him, we offer ourselves as a, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And then he says, which is a reasonable service. That's only reasonable. That isn't anything above and beyond what is the minimum uh, that ought to be there when we have to do with any kind of transaction with the Lord. What Jesus is about in, in John 17, Jesus is just about to go to the cross. Uh, he has, uh, I would say, he has patiently listened to all kinds of uh, comments, some good, some not so good, uh, and questions from his disciples. Uh, but I noticed he, he always treated them uh, so gently. And what I have to know is that before the cross, uh, the relationship that they had with him was not what it's going to be. And after we come to Jesus, then uh, it's a whole new life and we come to him with uh, with that sense of dedication uh, and uh, 
consecration uh, because he deserves it. So in John 17, Jesus spoke these words. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. I want you to notice as we watch Christ speaking on our behalf that he still speaks from the position of the son who knows that one, that one day is coming when he will uh, show the world by presenting all that he has done to his father, that his father is all in all. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to think of the second member of the Trinity as having that role below the Father. And it's hard for me to think about the third member of the Trinity, of having also a subservient role to the Father. Yet I know that each one of them was equal in power and authority and wisdom. But within the Godhead was that which never had to be spoken to us. Within the very nature of God himself were the, the three roles that each one would play in the Godhead and in relationship to the Father, or in relationship to the Son, or the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord said, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Uh, any comments on that thought, the idea, it, it doesn't say here to as many have asked him for eternal life, but it says to as many as thou hast given him. Uh, and can you think of, of the apostle John in another place talking about the Father who has uh, given each one of us to the Son. Any, uh, any thoughts about that? We've been predestined? Yes, it has to do with that, but it's not, you know, predestined means to be called, appointed, or called out beforehand. But this is, this is the very act of giving. In other words, God gave us, or pardon me, uh, uh, yes, that's right. God gave us to Christ. Um, 
that was first. It wasn't that Christ decided who would be his disciples. It was the Father that decided that we would be given to him. And so, uh, for example, if I just turn over to John 10, uh, I find Jesus saying in uh, oh, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. In King James, that says, hear my voice. But the idea of listening is better translated in that verb. And I know them, what? And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. But then we, we see why. Why will no one pluck them out of his hand? And the answer is, verse 29, my father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And finally, he says, I and the father are one. And that, I think, has more to it than I can understand. But the fact is that Christ was sure that he wouldn't lose any uh, except uh, according to the, uh, the prophecy of the scripture that one would be lost, that was Judas, so that the, the scripture would be fulfilled. So in verse 3, chapter 17, and this is eternal life oh, mm -hmm. that I've given. I have eternal life because I've been given to Christ. I normally don't think about it like that. And this is the life eternal that they may know thee and the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified, yes. I like that verse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it really tells you what the definition of eternal life is. It, it, eternal life is that I might know thee. Y yes. That I might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And one, they're synonymous one with the other. Without knowing Christ, you don't have eternal life. And without having eternal life, you don't know Christ. And the Lord is able to judge that uh, perfectly. So Christ said, I have glorified thee in the earth. I finished the work that thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
I probably won't get done with this passage tonight, but that's all right. Uh, did Christ have a different glory uh, when he was with Christ in the eternity past? Or, uh, and then, uh, you know, he became a man and uh, then he became the risen Christ. Uh, does there seem to be some difference in glory in those positions? Yeah, seems like the same glory. The glory had that he had when in eternity, before he ever became a man, was one level, was the ultimate, let me say. Mm -hmm. But the glory that he came, that he had as a man, he gave up. Oh, yes. He became a man. I'm sorry. He became a man. Yeah. We talk about the glorified Christ, don't we? And yes, glory be to his name. I don't ever remember hearing anyone talk about the fact that what he gave up and the glory that he had with the Father was precious beyond imagination. But he did. And why? Well, he loved us, yes. But that's not the real reason. Anybody think of the real reason he was willing to give up that glory? That's right. Several of you have said it. He loved the Father. Mm -hmm. He loved the Father. Yeah. When you think about him on the cross, we will, I'm sure. This weekend, in a special way, maybe, or at least uh, uh, be reminded that um, that one that hung between heaven and earth. <laughs> that was his demonstration of how much he loved the Father. And it speaks to me how much and I love him. And so he says, I have manifested thy name to men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were and thou gavest them me. That says something to us about all men. 
being created by God. They are his. And they have known, talking about the disciples, that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. And now, oh, pardon me, uh, for I have given unto them and have they received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. They have believed that thou just sent me. Now, we might come to someone, talk about Christ, and they might receive him as Savior. But I tell you, if they grow up in him, and they truly grow, there is going to be so much that they are going to come to understand about relationships of love and relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And maybe give us new meaning, thought on the word, God is love. Because there it is, with each party in the Trinity, the oneness that they have. And so Christ says, I pray for them, verse 9. Hear this. All of us should hear this. I pray for them. Now, we know John 3.16. and tells us, for God to love the world. Well, that's one thing. But... What does he mean then in verse 9 when he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now, not only do we bring in the glory of the Father and the Son, but the fact that yet there is glory that Christ will have, which yet we have not talked about, that he's going to have because of us. And I'm sorry. I, I'm so moved. That in eternity, I know that Paul talks about this in his epistles. That before 
the whole universe. One of the marks of the glory of God will be what he's done for you. And what he's done in you. I pray not for the world. And now I am no more of the world. See, Christ has already set his sight mm -hmm. on the fact that he is going to be with the Father. But these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou has given me for they may be one even as we are one now you know verse 11 would have been powerful if uh, John had left off uh, as we are one yeah but he didn't. This, this speaks, my friend, maybe to more than one thing, but for one thing for sure, speaks to the unity of the body. It speaks to why we can come together. And without this, we will not come together as one to the father if if there are differences or there are uh, uh quarrels or there are lack there's a lack of continuity between us we are not in agreement for the lord himself said can two walk together except they be agreed and I, for one, believe that we put way too much emphasis in our churches on the carnal ideas and agreements that men make together, but that we put uh, all of our possible attention to the fact that we are one in Christ that we can be of one mind, that we can think God's thoughts after him. And so, while I was with them in the world, I kept them, verse 12, in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition and that the scripture and that the scripture might be fulfilled. That provokes some thoughts. My friends, did Christ know that Judas would uh, 
would betray him from the beginning. He knew. Did Christ was was it without sincerity that Christ kissed him in the garden when he was taken by the soldiers and called him friend? I don't think, I think, you see, what lies in the heart of one may not be in the heart of another. I will tell you, this speaks to me, even tonight, as I don't know how you are, but when I uh, think about possible conflicts that I may have with other members of the body, uh, and I think about how they feel. I think about how I feel. And I may take solace in feeling that, well, if I feel badly towards someone else, at least they feel badly towards me too. But that isn't necessary. I can feel towards, I can have that love towards that other one that's perfect, even though that one's love for me is far from it. And that just spoke to me tonight as I consider my own life. Verse 13, and now come I to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have joy. Is that what he says? Oh, they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Mm -hmm. Father, mm -hmm. may each of us as we approach him consider that we, we do not long only to be at peace within ourselves, mm -hmm. but he has offered us something that he has in himself. Mm -hmm. And I think if we ask for it sincerely and do not forget that he is willing to give us all good things, that he will give us his joy, no matter where we are, no matter what the circumstances are, I can have his joy fulfilled in me. Oh, doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Don't each of us yearn in our hearts to be separate from our own 
uh, our own misgivings, our own uh, tensions with other people and just look to the Lord and call out to him that his joy may be fulfilled in us. Dear Jesus, I didn't <laughs> I must tell you that when I first opened to this passage, there was a feeling that I knew it well. <laughs> and I remember praying that the Lord would give me much more. Yes. Much more. Certainly he has done that. <laughs> and now uh, Come I to thee, these things speak in the world, that you may have my joy fulfilled, and uh, that they might have my joy fulfilled within themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated thee because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so my friends, we see that our otherworldliness, that our being like Christ and having divine aspirations and having uh, godly, goodly, and wonderful thoughts is, is ours if we would simply believe God. The world may hate us. As a matter of fact, I think in more than one place, we are promised that it will. Yeah. The world has hated them, but only because they were not of this world. And so uh, as, as I'm sure you're tired to, to your eyeballs of hearing what first John had to say. Mm -hmm. But when he said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, that gets down to it, my friend. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
I I would call out to God in regard to that question. And I mean that specifically. Only for me. I would call out to God that I might be free from that which would bind me, that which would hinder me from being all that I could be in Christ. Verse 14, I have given thee thy word, and the world has hated them, I think I read that, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should keep them. King James says evil. Uh, maybe a little better translation would be thou would keep them from the evil one. And that, that is a matter of Holy Ghost power. If you have ever wondered why didn't God save us and just take us on home, I think if you think if you consider it, you will know the answer. It's probably more than one fold. Certainly, I think there's something to experience the grace of God through difficulty that makes it greater than it ever was. But also, I think that God was going to keep us in the world for him. That the world not only would know who he was, but that they could glorify him. And even those who would not know him would wonder what is it about God that we can't grasp. And we can only grasp it through the power of the Spirit and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and the will of the Father towards us. They are not of this world. Even as I am not in this world, and I thank God for verse 17, which says, sanctify them. That means set them apart, make them to be known as non otherworldly, non worldly. And how will you do it? Through your truth. And what is the truth? Mm -hmm. Thy word is truth. And so Jesus said, you shall know the truth 
and the truth shall set you free. Set us free from what? Will you use your own ideas as to the level of separation that you are called to? Or will you and I allow God and a power of spirit to bring that truth to us in such a way that it will separate us from everything that is not of God. <laughs> and then I can say truly that I may know him. Yes, Lord. And the power of his resurrection <laughs> and the fellowship of his suffering. And I may be made conformable unto his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Mm -hmm. He goes on there about pressing on that knowing that at each point we are we are not yet absolutely perfected and we go on and we say, Lord, the Lord might say to us, are you never satisfied? Are you never satisfied with what I will give to you if you ask? And my answer will be, Lord, I am never satisfied. I will be satisfied only when you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it there tonight. I am <clears throat> so sorry that it become difficult for me when I become emotionally involved nevertheless my friend if I had to choose the difference between not being moved and being moved to the limit I'll choose the latter because we do not deal with cold truth we deal with living truth God is a mighty and gracious Savior. Yes. And truly, each one of us and these who are given to Him, and the ones between then and now that were given to him and the ones that will be given to him. Lord God, we would pray in the name of Jesus that you be glorified. And we pray 
that man not be knowledgeable concerning the level and the import of that glory mm -hmm. until they have, have dealt in to the depth of it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. We see, we think about our salvation. Mm -hmm. We think about freedom from sin. We think about freedom from judgment. But Lord, we thought must be the highest wall. Thank you, Father. Bless these people with this word. And may we be found endeavoring to make them real in our lives each day. I pray mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.